Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. So I want to pick your brain. Someone who's got a business, either they've got an existing retail store or they're thinking to open a retail store, what should they do? What do they need to know to do this right? Because like you said, and and I would totally agree, most people never think about branding when they do their store, but place is one of the key components of marketing. Marketing is a reflection of brand. If you are not reflecting your brand in your place, you kind of totally miss the boat on how this thing works. It's like a big real life walking advertisement for you. Your retail location, your brick and mortar is the biggest advertising you can ever have. Um, It's the experience that they actually get to feel that you don't get from anything else. So um, my advice is, well, it's very different. Someone starting from scratch has one complete MO and somebody who's just vamping up something that's existing. For me, it's it's like a completely different animal. If you're starting from scratch, you have an idea, you have to do a lot of research because you have to really look into you know, what it is that you're trying to do, what it is that you're trying to sell. You have to create your inventory list and know exactly, I, I am talking about like inches and centimeters and how many of each thing you plan on having and what's gonna be in display and what's gonna be on the, you know, in, in, in storage. So if you're selling children's clothing, okay, you wanna have one of every size, you know, of every type, as opposed to, you know, putting on display three of the same thing because retail space is ROI and every little inch matters. You're paying for every square foot. So you don't want to have anything more on display than you need. And I always say the, the more space you have in between each article of clothing, the more expensive each one looks. You start stuffing a bunch of things onto a rod, you look like a warehouse. People aren't going to pay as much for it. And then I always say in a restaurant, lower your lights and you can, you can charge more for your steak. I, when I walk into any restaurant and the lights are bright, I'm like, for real? And I'll even tell them, like, could you please lower the lights? But, but the fact is I'm there for ambiance and I'm eating a steak and, and I want to feel that feeling of just, you know, like that mystique about being in a And it's bright lights. I see everything. So there's like small little tricks that you can do in retail to make something look more enticing. Um, then, you know, obviously there are the very important facts like budget with retail, unless you have cookie cutter items that, you know, you literally can throw on a set of gondolas, which by the way, it's like a dirty word for me. I don't use the word gondola or, 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 or um, what do they call the, the stuff on the wall, slat wall. These are, these are items I don't use. That's like the, you know, like the, the stuff you can buy from the store, you just throw onto the wall that has a bunch of lines in it and you can put tons of hooks on that. It yeah, doesn't come so into it, my vocabulary. It's like it's panels and there's holes in between and you hook on things and you can hang things on them. Gondola was, and flat wall are bad What's a gondola? Gondola is like a circle thing in the middle? It's when you go to a grocery and those metal shelves that are in every aisle. So a, a supermarket can have gondola, a pharmacy can have gondola, okay. a gas uh-huh. station. But when you're trying to open up a boutique shop, you want to stay far away from that because no one's going to be impressed by that. You can, you know, you can customize it and do cute things with it, whatever. But at the end of the day, you are putting out your entire brand in every element you put into your space. 
So if it's not done thoughtfully and it's not done in taste, in good taste and in good detail, it will have an effect on your end user. They'll notice the good things. They may not be designers and they might not have all that incredible keen sense, but they'll know that you put in the extra effort. They'll feel it. Totally. And they'll sense that it's for them. So you mentioned a couple elements here. I want to kind of break it down. Um, You mentioned considering lighting, considering spacing, considering um, the equipment that you use, the display equipment. What are the other elements that people need to consider in terms of whether they're presenting more of a warehouse feel versus a boutique feel, high-end versus mid-range? What are like, so we have, we have lights, we have a display, we have spacing. What else? Well, really the most important thing in retail is layout and flow. If you have everything categorized properly, you want to avoid people having to buy because somebody showed them around. It should be an experience they can have because that's an uncomfortable feeling to walk into a store and someone, how can I help you? And, you know, and then like they, they have to show you every little thing. You have to have more manpower for that. So you really want to have a self-serving store that says, speaks for itself. So having a very organized layout, compartmentalized properly. Now, I create inventory lists. They're crazy. It's category, subcategory, sub, subcategory, sub, 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 subcategories. <laughs> because I, I, I create, very importantly, you have to create enough space for change. You don't want to say, oh, because you need four linear feet of hats. I gave you four linear feet of hats. I gave you seven because you might end up with more. And I gave you shelving that can, so this is a crucial thing in retail. Everything has to be modular. Everything has to be flexible and adjustable because things change, inventory changes. I would say that one of the most challenging things about designing in retail is because every industry is a new learning experience. You know, if I design one doctor's office for Mr. So-and-so and then another doctor's office for Mr. So-and-so, it's, there's an exam table, there's a kitchen, there's a sink, there's the same type of stuff in every one of them. So once you've done one, you've pretty much done them all. With retail, every industry is different. It's a new, completely new story, okay? And then you could be working with companies who are selling products from other vendors who sell them in a million different sizes. So how do you make a shelf that fits? You can't. So like, give me an example. So like clothing, we like covered, right? So you've got your clothing, you've got your hats. And once you've done a clothing store, you have kind of a map for clothing stores. Right, right. But even then, I, like so, so a contractor once came over to me and I showed him something complicated, funky, cool design. He's like, where, where, where did you see this? Have you ever seen something like this before? I'm like, no, it's an original. I'm a designer. Like, that's what people come to me for. I saw like, it inside my head. That's where I me, I'm like, do you want me to go on Pinterest and print everything I see and tell you to build it? Then why are you paying me? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I came up with it. It's cool. It's different. It's unique. He's like, it's amazing. Okay, fine. I'll figure it out. So, um, now I sidetrack, but bottom line is, where were we? Second before that. <laughs> well, we were going into, I was saying, if you did one clothing store, yeah, yeah. then see, I have a lot of ADD clients. No, so I, yes, yeah, I'm ADD. <laughs> I make sure to keep track of where we land so we can always come back. Yeah, no, so no, what I'm trying to say is that it's, it's unique. So even, even if I know how to do a clothing store, I'm not going to do them the same. They're going to be different. The formula might be similar, but some clients prefer a different formula. Are you, are you setting up your clothing by category? Or are you setting it up by designer? Is it every, you know, everything made by, by one specific, you know, up and whatever, whoever, you know, kids clothing stores are very brand driven. So they want to have a separate vignette for every brand. Okay. So it really varies based on client. So even if you do have a set formula, you still have to modify that stuff. Client needs and wants are everything. They're everything. Totally. You can't bypass that because you know how to do it better. You have to listen. So at the end of the day, 
you know, another industry I can give you is I'm doing an incredible store in Cedarhurst right now, and they sell all kinds of house, household goods, but very high end. It's a crazy store. It's so cool. The staircase okay. is amazing. When it so opens, like, in, like a Bed Bath and Beyond, but like much smaller and super fancy. Yes, for like for really really fancy people. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you lot- want like two hundred dollar towels kind of. Yes. Thing? Yes, like the logo has money symbol in it. Okay. <laughs> logo. Um, so and there's like gold everything. Um, Got it. And they this is like, have, if you want to, if you want to feel rich, cause you are rich and you want to feel like you are rich and only you are, can shop here because you are rich. Then you come here because this is a rich place for rich people who are rich, rich people. Like and rich. it was actually going to be called <laughs> richy rich. Okay. So, so, like you can buy the same spoon and amazing savings, but you buy it there. So <laughs> triple the price and you're proud of it and you're happy. That's right. And, and you have a little baggie. That's like a super fancy bag. Super and just walking in and out of the store makes you rich. We have like, we have a di- <laughs> blind deboss um, repeat pattern bag with gold, gold ribbons and gold embossed uh, lettering. It's like an insane bag. Even the oh bag itself is so for yeah, that's, them, a, that's a conversation in and of itself is the bags, but, yeah, <laughs> but for them, like they've got these mixers coming in that are 10 inches tall and then they've got these knives. And then next week, this vendor decided to put them in a, say, an 18 inch tall box. So how do I set up shelving for somebody whose inventory is so unpredictable? Especially if you don't use slats. <laughs> so, you don't, so, so you can't use slat wall because that's a big fat faux pas, but you can use um, slatted standards. There, there are ways of putting these um, vertical slits into the wall, mm-hmm. and they have those ridges built into them. And if you hide panels on either side of them, where you look recessed, you almost don't know that they're there. If you go next time you go into Bloomingdale's or whatever, and you look at the walls, you'll notice vertical slits in the walls. Those are called slotted standards, and you can hook things off of them. And they're very, they're inconspicuous. They're very pretty. So everything in that store can move. There's nothing that's fixed. So they can move with their, industry, with their inventory. And that's so okay. crucial because you know how many people do things that are fixed and then, then they come and they, you know, they'll come afterwards and be like, this doesn't fit. I, I got new chocolate bars. They're, they're three inches bigger. And you don't want to be dealing with that. You know, you have to have a, it's, it's that perfect balance of unique and, and um, sort of standard. You got to bring the unique and the standard. Love it. And then flexibility. So what about, um, you talked about, you know, um, layout and flow. What do people need in terms of their setting up, you know, when you walk in, like I talk a lot about um, digital flow. Like when you walk into a website, it's either a store or a house, right? The brochure site, it's a house. And if it's a a store site, then it's like a store. And there's a certain flow. You want to guide people through the process. So I know how that works online. How does it work offline? What's that kind of, you know, what they walk in and then how you guide them? Like, how does that work? Okay. So just like with everything else, each and every store is unique. Each industry is unique. Like in a supermarket, you put the milk farthest from the door because you want people to walk through the entire supermarket. Yeah. And you put the beer and the diapers on opposite ends. This is like Like there's like very basic rules that you have to follow and, and, and a flow that makes people walk through the entire thing. But in, you know, in other types of places, it's different. First of all, if you have men and women products, you know, obviously divide those. You create an area for, you know, more, you know, evening wear. Then you go into casual wear. Then you have somewhere in the middle where you have kind of a mix of both. Accessories are usually close to the cash register so that people will, it's an impulse buy. You put impulse buys in islands and, you know, in island fixtures and closer to to the area where people will be, you know, paying for things. Um, And the, the truth is, those kinds of things are very, very much varied based on the industry. So the, the bottom line is there should never be two items in one category. 
You have to know how to break down categories. So, you, you know, I'm ADD, right? We discussed this already. But somehow, amongst all this ADD-ness, I've, I've had this organized brain that understands how to knock out categories. Like, you can't mix them. It's like when rice and chicken can't touch, they're different. So you have a specific designated way. Because again, in retail, when you're building shelving, one item will take up 12 inches. The other item needs two feet. Let me get my two feet items closer into one place so I don't have to take two feet off of every wall because it might occur again. You so have to group like items. Like I always say basic principles of organization. It's group like items. And uh, wait, there was another one. <laughs> no, I'm getting ADD. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just about making sure that categories are within themselves yeah. and, and having like, like, again, fundamental rules that, that cause the, that work within the psyche that cause a person to do what they need to do at that specific moment. So if I'm paying and I see this gorgeous bracelet, it's right by the cash register. Totally. Like totally makes sense. Okay. So that's a lot of retail. Um, you design also service spaces, right? You design healthcare. You did this massive um, facility in Harlem. What's that like? So it's very different. It's a completely different animal. Um, with multifamily, you're usually designing the finishes. You're designing kitchens, exteriors, amenities, bathrooms. Um, you're creating like five schemes and they usually do multiples of, of each one. They'll pick like out of the five, three that they love, or maybe they want more. And you're basically kitchen, uh, picking kitchen cabinets. You're picking wall tiles, backsplash, faucets, sinks, you know, How does appliances. that relate to branding? I mean, I understand that it's a B2B service because these are commercial real estate builders, yeah. but how do you bring in branding when you're just making people's houses, right? I understand that in a right. business. So, so residential is something I only recently started doing because a lot of people have been asking me and, and I kind of caved and I'm, I'm not thrilled about it because I want to stay true to my mission. But at the end of the day, it's, it's got its perks and I do enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a little bit, people are, I think people in general are willing to put more investment into their homes and into their, their retail spaces. They want, they want in and out. They want to see their profit, their return on investment. They're not, they're not willing to put in as much and it's, Unfortunately, to do it the way it needs to be done, it could cost. So there's something about residential, but it doesn't help me with my branding implementation. So I do try to stay true to, I believe every business needs a niche. I, I'm very passionate about my niche and I don't like to veer away from it. But for a multifamily, it's really prominent because they develop, like think about, think about the Westin, think about the Ritz-Carlton, think about hotel brands that maintain a certain level of quality Wherever they are in the world, you can always say, oh, that's a W hotel or that's it. So there's a brand quality versus, you know, actually sitting and putting brand elements everywhere. No, totally. I would a certain level of quality. Even when you're doing a multifamily, like I recently had a, a real estate client actually, and we did just the basic branding for just to get, help them get the project off the ground. They just needed to get their initial letterheads for investment and things like that. And um, I went through a similar branding process with them. What is the essence of this property? Who is the primary audience? Who are the primary buyers? And I think, I think that branding does go even into residential because you still have a target audience. It's just, it's the audience are people who are buying the property itself as opposed to the stuff right. that's inside it. So exactly. I, I, would, I would see it just in a completely different way that it does go there. A hundred percent. Like we were in an area where there were a lot of college students. So the question was to divide. I mean, it's so brand driven. We're here. We're in this spot. The, our target market will be college students. They don't mind bunking up. They want to share their rent with five other people. We need to divide these into smaller rooms versus we're creating an open layout and there's going to be like one bedroom and otherwise it's going to be a beautiful big living space. I mean, it makes such an impact on the crucial decision. So the brand process you go through 
you know, when you're, you're creating, when you're doing any project, it is so crucial that the interiors match what the brand is. For sure. So I think you're still true to your niche. I hereby pronounce you true to yourself, even in residential. It's, it's just, I'm, you know, it's more about the individual <laughs> residential homes that isn't. Um, and yeah, honestly, that I hear. yeah, that I could hear. Yeah. Well, you're doing a commercial residential project. Um, that totally, yeah, there's a brand B to B. They're selling it. Yeah, but I will tell you, the niche, the, the way that I have been able to promote my niche more than anything ever is trade show design. Because you could get really crazy and you can have really like a really good time. I'm doing a booth right now. I can't give too much away, but I guess if you're not posting this for a while, it is really funky we're doing a candy theme out of tile candies out of wait tile candies hold on one second <laughs> we just landed somewhere completely different i gotta follow we do commercial real um retail right so selling clothing yeah. selling home goods selling food um, really any do, retail space right any retail space so oh i want to talk about restaurants still um one second i want to come back to trade shows because <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to play ADD. Um, I'm going to make a note. We're coming back to trade shows. But first, I wanted to pick your brain on restaurant spaces because I think those are kind of, you know, I, I guess if we would say there are four main categories that we're talking about. We're talking about product retail. We're talking about food retail um, in terms of like food service retail, which I think is its own thing. Um, it's you've called got, hospitality. It, it calls hospitality, hospitality. Is, but it's hospitality. So I feel like hospitality is not. Commercial residential is its own thing. Product sales, retail is its own thing. And then those two in the middle, hospitality, whether you're doing a hotel or a healthcare center and a restaurant, I would totally separate those. Separate those, okay. Because one, you're going to eat, you're going for a short-term experience. The other one, you're going to exist in, even if it's short-term or long-term, you, you live in it as opposed to visit, eat, go. Right. I got you. I, so, I know that. So I want to know restaurants, because I think a lot of people, I, I don't think, I know a lot of people harbor a dream of opening their own yeah. food place. I, and it fascinates me because it's something that I personally have no, no desire to ever do. <laughs> but that's not true. That's actually not true. I'm, I'm not, I actually really want to have a food truck. I don't want to have a restaurant, but I have a dream for a food truck. One well, day, guys, you will, yes, yes. <laughs> You will see my food truck. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, um, but I have a dream oh, for a food truck. Please tell me. I'm so curious now. <laughs> mm, I'll tell you afterwards. I don't, I don't okay, want to steal my idea. All right. I got that. Um, okay. Okay. So everyone wants to know, like, what does it take? Because restaurants also are the hardest business open. I think that statistically they have the highest failure rate of any business. I could probably tell you why. Tell me why. <laughs> I want to know. Everyone wants to know. If you don't have your menu down before you start, then go find a menu or go find a grandmother that makes delicious cupcakes or something like that and figure out what you're selling before you start. Because so many people have come to me and they're like, I have this amazing space. I'm ready to put down my, you know, I'm putting a deposit down. It's gorgeous. And I want to open this kind of store that does it. And they go crazy and they start planning and they start putting money down and they don't know what they're selling. A restaurant is a word. It's not a menu. It's not a mission. It's nothing. It's just a word. And not only that, your menu items need machines to make them. Those machines have sizes. Your kitchen size depends on what size those machines are. If you don't know what you're making, we cannot design your kitchen. If we can't design your kitchen, we can't design the space for the people to sit in because we don't know how much kitchen space we need. So don't start any restaurant concept or anything until you have a menu. And, and in, the restaurant, in restaurants in general, there are three things that are crucial. 
You need to have incredible food. It is the most important. It's the absolute most important. Then you need to have incredible customer service. And then you need to have a great environment, a gorgeous, beautiful environment. You can survive without the design, honestly. If you have great service and great food, you'd probably be okay. But having that great design and that great ambiance makes it like that much better. So when they come to me as a designer, I'm like, I can give you one of those. What's your menu? Right. Who if you are you? The first two. I yeah. need the best design. You're still going to close. And that's the most frustrating thing because, yeah, we put in a lot of money. We put in a lot of thought and care into everything. Your brand exudes throughout everything. But your, your steaks are overcooked. And, and you made up a recipe off of Google that you picked the night before you were opening <laughs> because you're like, wait a minute, what are we making? Oh, that's I mean, terrible. That really it, happened. It happens. It happens. And, and it's just, don't open a restaurant if your decision or your drive is because I want to have a, an establishment that I can call my own. You have to have like intrinsic family recipes or people you know that, or, you're, or you make delicious things. Having the perfect chef, having the perfect menu, where you begin. I cannot even talk to you until you have a menu. I have no idea what you're putting in your kitchen. I don't know what size things need to be. That's first and foremost. Like I tell people, go do your homework, come back to me in a few months. Love it. I do that. I love it. That was so valuable, guys. I hope you realize that Shani, just like any of you dream of opening a restaurant, she just shortcutted you like a year's <laughs> worth of challenges. Yeah, just don't even bother unless you know what you're selling. Then in terms of design, the restaurant is my favorite because once the kitchen is done and I don't design- well, That's where you started. Kitchen. You did the cafe first. Yes, exactly. I, I don't design commercial kitchens alone. I always work together with a commercial kitchen company. I'll do a promotion for Culinary Depot, uh, e. Friedman Associates, there's a couple of great names out there. Work with them because it's not my expertise. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you to buy an oven because it's pretty because it could break in two days. And I don't want you to be angry with me. So we're going to find the professionals who do their specific things really well and we're going to work with them. You know, and, and then I have, okay, we just took 500 square feet off of this kitchen. Now you have another 2,000 square feet. Do as you please. Okay, what's your seating capacity? How many people do you need to be seating a night to make the profit you hope to make? And they have to do their homework. I ask them questions and they're like, sometimes, sometimes people are super prepared and it's amazing and it's wonderful, but sometimes they're not. So I, I find the need to make sure we're not going off on the wrong foot. And I say, how many people are going to be in this restaurant? And then there's, a, there's code and there's compliance. You need to have a certain amount of bathrooms to, to fit, you know, to, to work with the amount of people you have. So now I have to factor bathrooms need to fit. Now, a lot of places want to have varied seating. You don't want to have the same seating across the entire space. You want some bar, you want some lounge, you want some dining. You need a little bit of everything. You want to make this an experience for people. This time I sat here, next time let's try sitting there. And you make it really fun. Um, and the great part about it is all that little inventory detail stuff that I told you about before that can literally give me the biggest migraine of my life is, is totally non-existent. It's all about the design the layout and the design. So it's really fun. You do crazy stuff. You do gorgeous light fixtures. You do beautiful seats. Um, you know, I will never go onto a, like a, a typical restaurant site and pick a typical commercial chair. There's always a little twist to it. You go to salvage yards and you pick out crazy doors. You, you have tons of fun with it. So I, I absolutely love restaurant design. But like I said, function is first. Totally. That makes so much sense. And hospitality, I'm thinking your fourth one, um, which again, it's another completely different kind of space because then it's, there's almost, is there function even built in much or is it just all feeling? So with hospitality, it's brand and space all the way. When I go to a hotel and I am a hotel snob, 
I don't mind admitting that. Um, I go right for the bathroom and I look at the toiletries. <laughs> if they're not good, I don't want to stay there. And I have, I have to like call the, the I don't like the room. <laughs> I'd like to, I'm, I, well, price line, get yourself a discount. I really am picky about where I stay. And uh, I'm not, I'm sounding like a brat. It's not really true, but I am picky. And that's the first place to go because that's the most detailed part of it. If these weren't thought out, you don't realize what people really want. If you don't realize what people really want, when I put conditioner in my hair and, and I can't get through a single knot or, or it doesn't smell delicious, then you're not really into my psyche. You don't really get that I'm here because I walked away from my house to get a, a beautiful time of relaxation and, and, and pampering. You need to take care of those needs for me. So that's, that's where it really is. You want to feel like you're being pampered, like things are outside the normal. It's at absolutely extra beautiful um and and it is all about design and brand i love that okay i'm not gonna go for that i'm not even gonna take us into healthcare um because we'll, we'll totally run out of time but i will go back to these trade show thing because i got very confused as soon as we landed there and i did not forget so what does it mean so in addition to designing all these commercial spaces you've now gone into designing commercial trade show booths well it's a couple of years quite a few years ago i had um you know, BizTank? I heard of it, yeah. So Joel Klein of BizTank, um, he was launching Immediate Marketing Solutions, which was a, a very cool marketing tool. And he, need, he actually only gave me three weeks to do all this work, which I don't even understand how I did it, but I did it. Um, he gave me like, you know, a couple of parameters. I created his logo and I created his booth and it won for most innovative um, product, most innovative booth, most beautiful wow. booth. Where? Um, and, and one of the Jewish shows, okay. one of the expos, I honestly, um, JBiz, I forgot what it was called. Um, the, the bottom line is, so far I haven't really designed a booth that I didn't win. But that sounded so haughty. But <laughs> it's, it's, the bottom <laughs> I, line, I think it's okay to know what you're good at. I think that's humility. Humility is knowing yeah. what you're good at and uh, knowing that it, like you didn't make yourself right? Like you didn't birth yourself. So like you yes. were put here for oh God. talents and skills. Exactly. And you're really good at stuff. I, I think that's humility. I think it's ego to, um, to fake it, to pretend you're something that you're not, but to be real with what you are. No, I call that humility. Thank you. I have no problem knocking myself, honestly. Like I, I am very self-aware. I know if I'm doing something wrong, I don't mind owning up to it. But in general, the, the beauty of a trade show is that you can go crazy. When something in a retail space would be considered tacky or hard to build as a permanent thing, PVC and some cool signage can make it into an enormous statement. And it's not as expensive because it's not permanent. And it, you can kind of defy like laws of everything in a trade show because it's just there for three days. So like, like in the Fabiwood booth, we couldn't bring stone into any of the kitchens that I'd designed 30 unique kitchens um, using their, their cabinets and we couldn't do stone. And they only gave me a certain type of laminate I was allowed to use. And quite frankly, that laminate did not have enough options that were to my liking. So I came up with a concept. I was like, why don't we take pictures off of Shutterstock, gorgeous stone pictures, print them on 3M, like contact paper, and take laminate and just cover it. And every single one of those kitchens were so ridiculously gorgeous because they had these full slab backsplashes and countertops, book matched, gorgeous designs, totally unique stones that no one's ever seen. People thought it was actual stone. So wow. You can do, you and it was so much cheaper and 
That is so cool. It was nothing. You could, you could do that stuff, like literally, you couldn't do it in the regular kitchen, but for a trade show it works. So, and you could have a lot of fun. So I feel like brands are there to present their brand. So, you know, every company there wants to be the one that takes all the attention. Your goal is for that alone. People opening up a retail shop are just like, I'd like to sell some kakushke, you know, <laughs> versus like, I want to be the coolest person in this entire room. So they're totally. willing to and scream at the top of their lungs. People coming in thousands. and I want all of them to walk out going, oh my gosh, did you see that booth? Did you see what they do? Did you notice them? And yeah. the trade show, it, it's almost, it's not even, it's worse than when you're just on a, on a big retail street because there are hundreds of other vendors in the space selling the exact same stuff you yeah. sell because that's why it's a trade show and standing out is such a big deal. That makes yes. so much sense. Yes. I mean, I was in the Fabulous booth when we were, you know, just, introducing ourselves to clients of people walking in and everything and I see these like this team and they're just drooling like staring up at the arches that I put there and they're like sitting there looking and I like managed to like look at their tag and I was like I, I was going to introduce myself it's the Zillow team wow you know, Zillow? Yeah. and they're like they're like we can't leave this booth it's so cool <laughs> Guys, probably like, listening Zillow is one of the biggest um, online um, like real estate websites yeah, yeah. So the point is really to be able to infuse brand and space, you want to be able to make very strong impact in architectural elements that you can touch and feel and experience in a trade show that's very prominent. And that's why I love it so much. So I am doing one now that is super cool and super fun. Yeah, so explain candy. What? Um, I, yeah, explain candy. <laughs> so their tiles are really cool glass recycled mosaics that have, they have the most insane, gorgeous colors. And I'm, I'm taking the circle ones and turning them into dot candy as a giveaway. Okay, this was like complete gibberish to me. <laughs> Glass recycled mosaic. I know a lot of industry terms, but I got lost. Glass recycled mosaics? Yeah, so they don't use like actual regular, it's, it's all sustainable. It's all like, you know, green materials. Well, so they what does it mean? It was made of, mosaic is usually ceramic. Right, so they take, they, they, you can have glass tile and glass mosaics and that stuff. So they take okay. old glass, probably um, windshields and windows. Okay. They wow. smash it up, they mix it with resin, and they make these little glass tiles. They're so cool. Cool. Okay. And they're crazy yeah. colors. So they're so pastel and pretty. So when I saw it, I was like, this is going to be a booth made out of candy. <laughs> like, this is going to be a candy booth. So we're giving that out will definitely get people's attention. Yeah, it's going to be super cool. But the point is I get to have a ton of fun when I'm in that setting. I kind of started to like it more than anything. Yeah, kind of like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. No, just in general. The trade, <laughs> show, the trade show thing, I'm given creative license. That's awesome for me. I love that. I hear that. Oh my God. Shani, you are such a powerhouse and you thank have you. just given us so much value. Um, thank, so you. thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to talk about it and talk to you. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. And I really like, I don't even know if you realize just all this information. It's so valuable to me. Guys, all of you listening, I hope you realize how valuable this is to you. If you ever want to do anything in a retail space, um, this is kind of like your starting point. Just go back to this episode <laughs> whenever you're ready. Um, so Shani, tell us, What's a current business struggle? Because you've come so far, you know, and really, you know, bootstrap is the best way to describe it. Like, this is all you. It's your energy. It's your brain. It's your knowledge. And you've scaled it. You've built a right. team. What are you currently struggling with? So I've, I've, I've struggled a lot in my life, um, personally. And um, I had to, I knew, I knew six, six and a half years ago that if I didn't start making my own, my own bread, I wouldn't be able to support myself when I got divorced. And, um, and I, I worked, I worked, there was a time where I was actually, I went to the doctor cause I was tired and I was worn out. And he said, 
um, how many hours do you sleep? I said, seven. He was like, that's not so bad. I'm like, seven hours a week. <laughs> um, and I had no choice. I was mother, a mother of four, like running the household myself, oh running my a business God, myself. That's I, really bad. I had no choice. I wasn't sleeping days and days. And I was so tired and I was doing everything myself. Um, and, and now, thank God, I got married and my life has become much more organized. And I think the struggle is now that I'm not 20 people because I was working much more than an average week. Um, the struggle is because I am, and I, I think I've seen you have this topic with others, I am the creative. I am the, I'm the person creating things. And, and yes, I've created a tremendous amount of organization in terms of the process. And the team that I have working for me knows how to do their specific portion of it. When it comes to the conceptual and the real ta-da, it's always me. You know, other design firms have like 20 designers who do go on and take, take it and do their thing. And it never actually reflects the true vision or talent of the original, you know, the principal designer. So that is my challenge, honestly. But I've come up with a way of, meaning my t being that I, I can't personally touch every single thing I do because I'm growing a lot and there are a lot of projects and there need to be more people and more, more people that are able to facilitate that. So I've narrowed down my, my involvement in every project to the bare minimum of where I, I create that concept and then I throw the model over to my, I do everything in 3D modeling. I throw it over to my drafter. I was like, take it from there. We do a tagging system. We do a meeting for two hours. I show them every little detail. I, I tag each detail. I say, you go find all that stuff. You go draw up all that stuff. And, it's, and then it can, it can happen. But the, the key I tell, any, I tell anyone in, in a business where they can't replicate themselves, delegate as much as you possibly can the things that you don't have to touch with your own bare hands. For sure. That's, that's a constant challenge. And, and that I have to, you have to be able to balance life and work. It, it, you just, it's not worth it. At the end of the day, you want to walk back to, to your life and say, I gave the most important things all the effort that they needed. It's, you don't want to look back and have regrets. For sure. I love that. And are you satisfied with where that brings you? Like, can you say, okay, listen, this is as big as we get. I'm the primary creative. I'm never going to be happy with anyone else's creative energy. And so we can only take on as many things as I have bandwidth to create. And then I'll get as many delegators as I need. Or are you still thinking to grow beyond your own creativity? I, I know I'm, I'm always about growth. I want to take over the world, baby. I'm not <laughs> stopping anywhere. Um, so what's the plan then? So, because so, so at, even where you're at, so you've gotten to the point and that always, I always say like when you are the primary creator, yeah, like, You've heard me say it, <laughs> get everything you possibly can, right? The first step to making more of you can be one of two things. If it's easily replicable, so people who have the same kind of skills and training, if it's not, delegate everything that you don't have to touch. That's the first thing. But that leaves you with more bandwidth, but still limited. Right. So, so my, I, I put a post that I'm hiring, even when I'm not. And I just meet a bunch of people that I, I'd like to, to hear them out. Like, you know, I really like think that employees, finding employees is the hardest part of any business um, because you're relying on unpredictable humans that could be amazing one day and tired the next. But it's, but it's something you have to do. And I thank God I've found incredible people that I work with. Um, you need to just have a very wide arsenal of potentials that if in the event you, you do need to replicate yourself, you find them and you... You find them in a time when you're not desperate. You find them in the time when you have, you have the time to, to let them just sit with you, watch you be you and sort of take it all in. Totally. And then they can go off and do their thing. Now, what if they, I'm going to throw out a wacky idea. 
What if instead of being you, they were them? I want them to be them. I've had a few employees that were them. Okay. Cause that and, goes against a lot of conventions. Um, like a lot of people say like, no replicate yourself. But one of the things that, um, I spoke about this with a, a previous guest, old guest, probably somewhere in like the teen episodes. Um, and uh, he had created an entire franchise system and podiatry. Um, and uh, one of the things he said, and he shut down the franchising cause he realized he had built it on his unique strengths and talents. And when he tried to get other people to do that, it didn't work because they had their unique strengths and talents. So what I would think would be so interesting, and I'm just going to like throw it out. I'm curious as your opinion. There are things that you like the most and things that you like less. And so if you got someone who also had a creative flair and you trained them in the systems that you use, but they use their creative flair to do the kinds of spaces that you like less, and you'll always take a quick look at it and give your, your, your little bits. I wonder if that might not take you to that total next level of scale. I've had, I, I had a girl that I hired years ago. She moved on, she moved out of the country. But um, on the interview, I showed her something I was working on. And she came over to me, she stood behind me, I'll never forget it. And like on an interview, you wanna be impressing me, you know? She looked at me like, ew. <laughs> and I was like, you're hired. I want you to tell me that what I'm doing is terrible and you could do it so much better. I bring it on. Because I want, I want all that creativity and, 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 and addition to my strengths and someone else's strengths, please, by all means. Um, I, I'm all for that. So if I find amongst all the people that I'm, that I'm you know, interviewing and meeting with, I find that person that can send me a, prof, a portfolio that I feel that way about, I'm all for it. It, certain, it, it happens to be, it's, it's not easy because I have a very specific vision, but there are people out there that are ridiculously talented and I want them on my team. I'm willing to branch out in that way. So just, guys, all just, of you listening, Shani's hiring. Yes, I am hiring. <laughs> She's a lot always going hiring. On. Whenever you hear this episode, Shani's <laughs> always hiring. This and if it's not for right now, it could be for, you know, a rain check. But no, but really, it's, it's, it's when you find those talented people, you really got to grab on, you know, and, and, and really give them everything to, that keeps them happy. But like, you really have to make them feel like they're really part of it. Their names should show up on your documentation sets. They're not just an employee. It's, they're, they're an artist. Like when you find those, those amazing people, you have to really hold on to them. It's very hard in the creative world. I hear that. Yeah, there, and you should just know there is, you can profile the type. You don't have to interview 100 people to find that one. Of because course. you can look at the patterns and you can find, okay, you know, they typically have experience in one of three or five places, right? right? And you want, when you run a company, your ideal employee is not entrepreneurial. Your ideal right. employee is an employee. 100%. <laughs> they, 100%. Don't, they aren't here as training to go do it themselves. That doesn't mean they might not leave. Um, and I think so right. many business owners, and I'm sure you've heard this from people like, but what if my employee takes my stuff? I said, it can happen. It can always happen. But first of all, you're always you. You're always going to own you and what you do special. Yeah. And if you don't know that, you have no standing in your industry anyway, so it doesn't help. Right. And two, 100%. Don't hire people who have one foot out the door. Hire people <laughs> who their ideal situation is, is to be in this space. Exactly. exactly. They want people. Not everybody's cut out for this entrepreneurial stuff. It's intense. Super intense. And again, everyone might have a side hustle, and that's cool. And I, I believe everyone should have a side yeah. hustle. Like that is one 100%. of my beliefs. But side hustles are side hustles, and jobs are jobs. And yeah. Well, how do you think I got into face painting? 
<laughs> You're like me. I've been running businesses since I was a kid. It's just like, I don't know, if I can do this, it should be a business. Like, why not? 100%. <laughs> like, I, I like have an idea and I'm like, I have a commercial. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Yeah. My business when I was a kid, I created advertising and I put it in store. I was, I was making these um, bracelets, but I was buying my string from a local crafting store. And I said to them, I'm like, listen, I come in here for string. Other people come in here for string. They might be trying to make the same thing I'm making, but maybe they're not as good as it is me. I'm a kid. Okay. I'm 10 years old. I'm like, can I make a display of my bracelets with my phone number so that people, if they like my stuff can call me. And did it work? <laughs> it totally worked. It totally worked. It was awesome. crazy. I won't say I got a ton of traffic. I got way more traffic from school and camp. Um, You're but, not allowed to sell stuff in school. We all know that. Um, you, you know what? In the nineties, no one, no one shut us down. <laughs> I, I, I brought slap bracelets into school and I got, I got expelled. No way. No, we were much more on the DL. First of all, this was a custom order business. Okay. Like this wasn't, I've always been like a custom order service or service product kind of thing. Your boutique. Yeah. Always. So like, I always had just like my lists, you know, be list mm -hmm. of names, you pay in, put in a little envelope. And then I come back in a couple of days or week or, you know, we got really busy few weeks with your, so cute. With your custom Amazing. design bracelet. Oh, it was I so love fun. That. Love that. Uh, you're, you're so much fun to talk to. This has been amazing. Yes, it uh, has. Thank so, you. Shani, where can people find out more about you if they want your services, if they want to apply, where can people reach you? Um, Instagram and LinkedIn are very powerful. My website is now, I have a lot of new projects to post, so I'm redoing it. And um, in LinkedIn, I'm under Shani Teller Kaufman and Instagram is ico.design. We post stories, I'm on the job sites, I'm in stores picking out accessories, whatever it is that I'm doing, you'll see it on my stories and uh, any new projects that we have, we post. I tend to like to post things that are complete. So you might see some space between posts because construction is a, is a business that takes time. But in general, I try to post a lot and um, I've been posting a lot of videos on, on LinkedIn lately. It's sort of like how to, how to have a successful project. Um, you can check those out. They're cool. Love it. Okay, guys. So we'll put both those links on the site with all the notes from this episode. If you go to sdran.com slash 55, you'll be able to find the links to find Shani on Instagram and LinkedIn and all of the write-up of all of this information. So Shani, I like to surprise my guests, those that haven't listened to too many shows at this point, um, yeah. for a favorite quote, which you might already know that I do. Um, <laughs> but I'd love if you would share a quote with us to send our listeners on their way. Oh, wow. I have so many. Oh, you can God, give this me is all hard. of them, or you can give me your favorite one. I, I, I'm obsessed with quotes. So like there are never too many quotes for me. Oh my God. But they're negative a little bit. No, passion, let passion lead you is really my quote. Like I okay. will work endlessly on something regardless of how, of how insane amount of time I put into it. And I don't charge hourly. I charge flat fees. So it's usually something that I swallow and it's, it's because I can't. I can. If I don't like it, it's not going to just sit. I want to do it again. I want to make it perfect. So I, I am passionate about my end result. So don't cut corners. Um, uh, this is a tough one. This sounds like a negative one. It sounds like, like it might not be sending the right message, but it's along the same vein as the other one. Good isn't good enough. Because if something's nice, I, I'm not, it's not enough. I need everything that I do. And the, and the clients that hire me are usually hiring me because they want that, wow, that, that oh my God, did you see that place? It's crazy. I, I, need, to, I need to create spaces that, that are memorable, that really, really make an impression, that make people completely hooked to the brand. When my stores are successful 
become successful businesses, it's the greatest compliment of all. That I, I, don't, I don't care if it's nice. How much money you make? I love that. I love that. And you know what? I don't see that as negative. And I think that's an amazing note um, for us to end on. Like that drive for perfection because of your passion um, yeah. is, is such an obvious key to your success. You are Thank you. awesome. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. much. Thank you so much for joining us. So guys, check out Shawnee. Go to sdran.com slash 55 if you want all these resources and links. And as you know, you must subscribe. Like that's like a given. We've already moved beyond subscribing and subscribing all your friends because this is so awesome. And now I want your reviews. I need to hear from you. I need to know what you love and what you love more and what you want to hear more of. So post me a review in iTunes. Please, pretty please. I know you're listening. I watch my stats, but I want to hear your voices. I want to know what you think. And again, just tell me what you like about this show so I can get you more and more of it. And we will catch you next week. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?